Sip and Listen, the podcast meant to inspire, challenge, and empower collaboration while taking actions that matter. With your host, beauty maker Christina Wirtz, recruiting genius Jennifer Rojas, and lover of all things marketing, Elisa Lane. Let's face facts. Your business is either growing or dying. Limeware Promotions wants to help your business grow. The strategy is not only to get seen, but remembered. And that's where Limeware comes in. We're here to help you come up with some fun and catchy promotional ideas so you get seen and remembered. At Limeware, we are ready to take on all your promotional needs from custom embroidery hats and screen print shirts all the way to business cards and pens. Limeware Promotions. Find us on Facebook and Instagram and let the growing begin. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? Good. How about you? I'm well. Thanks. Little birdie told me you were in Rocky Point this weekend. <laughs> I was. I know. I was driving in today. I'm like, ah, oh, I should have taken my shirt and taken a picture on the, on the beach. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we could do destination selfies with our sip and listen shirts. <laughs> See how far we could get these to go. <laughs> I kind of like that idea. I do too. I think we should definitely start traveling a bit more. Oh. I'm all for that. Yeah, it was lovely. The weather was great. It was still a little cold. Like I really like going down in the summer when it's like the water's hot and the beach is hot, and um, but it's hard to it's hard to uh, argue with any any time at the beach. So how was your weekend? <laughs> it was good. Yeah. What'd you do? Yes. Anything exciting? I know you've been doing lots of networking and yeah. workshops and stuff like that. What have I done? Um, I guess uh, actually we had Lisa Risto on our episode, one of our episodes a couple weeks ago, and she was in a transformational course this weekend. So we joined her on Sunday night, and she was just full of joy. She was completely free. She had been, I think she shared on the show a little bit about her son who has muscular dystrophy, and for the last 23 years, she's really struggled with dealing with a disabled son who has a short lifespan. So she, in that course, she was able to get completely free of that and actually just be present with her son Mm -hmm. without having to worry. So that was really cool to see her transformation. That's cool. Yeah. That's what, so our, we have a guest today uh, who will be calling in Nicholas Johnny and he's there doing a workshop as well about um, living life in, in the present, you know, Mm -hmm. and again, that it's really interesting to start to hear how that the mindfulness and, and uh, um, you know, living, living in the moment, trying to be, be where you are right then yeah. rather than thinking about the past or the future. So totally. I think we might actually have Nicholas on the line. Good morning. Well, yes. good morning. Hi. I think it might be good afternoon for you. Yes. Where'd he go? <laughs> there he is. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us. We were just talking about the workshop you're uh, doing this weekend at Wellspring with Great. P- Pagona and Nick. So yeah, so now t- you're, are you in London right now, Nicholas? Uh, I'm in, I'm in the UK right now. In the UK, and I'm leaving tomorrow morning for. Okay, well, very good. Well, we're I know uh, Pagona is a is just so excited to have you. So, well, um, I I could introduce you, but I, I probably better for you to introduce. <laughs> you probably do a much better job. But I know you're doing a lot of work with CEOs and high performing teams um, around. Um, yeah, around kind of living in the present. I, w- I was listening to one of your videos about, you know, the, how to, how to expand bandwidth, um, the doing versus right. being. So why don't you talk, talk to us a little bit about, you know, what you're doing in, in your life right now with people that right. you're working with. Okay. 
Hey, so, Nic Nicholas, your your connection is a little bit spotty. I don't know if you have ah. service on your cell phone or not, but we kind of hear you cutting in and out. I do. I'm going to call you my landline. It might be. Um, give me a moment. Okay. <laughs> no worries. We we can across the seas. <laughs> I know. Hey, the fact that we can make these calls right <laughs> that within a moment's notice. I'm, I know. And technology, man. I think it's pretty thrilling. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so how do you know Nicholas Jennifer while he gets his connection yeah, worked out through Pagona she um, what is Pagona Pagona Zenos was with us she's a, a the owner at Wellspring she does she is a massage therapist and she does stretching and um, she's just amazing I, she's you know like she's she's Greek and she's not she's just she just has this energy and presence so I've known her for a lot of years through networking uh. is how I originally met her and um yeah, we, um, she was, you know, she uh, had the opportunity to be part of a workshop with Nicholas and it transformed her. Got it. And so she was lucky enough, I think they kind of connected and I think, uh, and Nicholas can Hi. confirm this. Hi there, Hi. there you Hi. are. Yeah. <laughs> that's much that's, better. That's, yeah, that's better. <laughs> I'm calling from my landline now. Very nice. Yeah, oh, sorry wonderful. about that. That's okay. Good. Okay, yeah, so what I was saying was I've been working with, um, you know, deep development for over 40 years now, in the last 20 years in the corporate world, although not only in the corporate world. I do work with very senior executives. I also work at the IMD Business School, which is, is actually the world's number one business school. Mm. And if I was to, you know, to <clears throat> be very concise about my work, yes, I call it presence and what I say to people, actually, when I start working, is that it's basically a very deep correction because the way I see it, we've got used to living in a culture of absence and a culture mm. of disconnection. And more seriously, we've normalized that, so people have forgotten. So most of our interactions, I believe, um, are more or less in the spectrum of absence, meaning we don't really feel ourselves, we don't really embody ourselves, and we rarely feel other people. So when I'm working with leaders, for instance, listening is one of the most important qualities a leader will ever have. But listening goes much deeper than listening to your words. It means I feel you, and you feel received by me, on a much deeper level than what I'm saying verbally. So when I say presence, it's, about, it's kind of like um, plugging the circuits back in that we lost as we were growing up and we needed to close them down. You know, when we were children, we felt everything physically. Life was a totally physical and emotional experience. Mm. And in one way or another, it was too much and it was quite, right and actually very intelligent that we learned to um, down-regulate that. The intensity was too much, but we threw the baby out with the bathwater, as we say here. So, <laughs> it, um, you we know, then we too. live in this... <laughs> okay, very good. <laughs> <So> then, <laughs> I'm never sure about that. And then we, um, so we, we got used to living in a much smaller version of ourselves. And of course, in the corporate world in particular, that version of ourselves is totally dominated by the rational mind. 
And uh, I think Einstein said something very important when he said the only uh, thing with the mind is you have to uh, you have to realize whether it's your master or your servant. Mm-hmm. And for the great majority of people, the mind is running the show, meaning the predominant way we relate to reality is through thinking. And that's a very, very impoverished way of, of, of navigating the world. Thinking should be one extraordinary part of who we are. You know, when people, as I often say, if you people come out of a great yoga class, let's say, a really good class, and they stand outside, and at least for a short time, reality is different. Mm-hmm. You know, reality is much more vivid, People are feeling themselves, they're feeling their body, they're feeling the world around them. That's how we're supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, That's you mentioned, how we're supposed to be. You mentioned in one of, your, one of the videos I was watching about you know, a, a Bikram practice, and, and I've been doing Bikram for, oh gosh, lots of years. But that is one of the things I've always noticed about it is it's, no, it's, it's very difficult in any kind of yoga practice or any time when you kind of take a step out of the frantic nature of our, our lives or world and you have, you spend time focusing on where you have to focus on your breathing or you, you must focus on alignment right? and how, um, uh, yeah, how, how much space that creates. Like you come out with, right, with exactly. that sense of kind of that quiet and, and it, you know, not even so much about the physical practice, but how, how much that does for the mind and the, the soul. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So my work is, says, so why why isn't it like that all the time? Mm-hmm. Right, and how do you do why, that? So, why? are you giving yeah. people practices? Um, Absolutely. That yes. that they exactly. can do daily around that versus exactly. having to go into a yoga, um, <laughs> go take a half <laughs> ninety minutes, go take ninety minutes and sweat it out. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, don't stop doing that. <laughs> no, absolutely not. But how can you do it at 11 o'clock when you're about to walk into a meeting that you know is going to drive yeah, your blood pressure? No, that's exactly it. That's exactly it. And um, I, I'm very committed to giving people simple, powerful practices, which if you have enough intention and commitment, really transform things. And I hear it all the time. I had an online call a few days ago with a group I did two days with at the IMT Business School. And it was amazing to hear the changes they're experiencing by using these practices. Funnily enough, the main challenge is actually to remember to do the practices mm-hmm. <laughs> because we're so much in the habit of absence. Mm-hmm. And if you said rushing, rushing, oh, I got another meeting, I'm rushing to the meeting. What is, what's the meeting about? Da, 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 da. And I, people get totally lost. Mm-hmm. So we need to have a very strong commitment to break that. And I invite people to to give themselves reminders, you know, to really work out, okay, how am I going to remember these simple practices? Because they change everything. Mm -hmm. They change everything. Particularly if we combine it with, um, you know, the way I see development, it's top-down and bottom-up. And top-down is this kind of mindful, meditative practice. You use the word spacious. It's, It's exactly that. And that needs to be a big commitment to do that, not just as sitting every morning for 20 minutes, but moment to moment to moment. Mm -hmm. The bottom-up work, which is essential and complementary, is that we need to re-include some of the emotions that we've excluded, which we needed to exclude as we were growing up. 
So, <clears throat> you know, this breaks new ground for a lot of people when I say there is no such thing as positive emotion or negative emotion. Mm. Fear never held anyone back. What holds you back is that you won't allow yourself to feel fear. Mm. Because if we're in a safe relational space and you can allow yourself to feel the fear that you and every single person walks with in one way or another, and you allow that fear to move through your body, the last thing it will do is block you. On the contrary, it will open your energy. So we have such a big misconception about emotions. And um, we need to create safe spaces where we can allow ourselves to feel, to be vulnerable. It's life-affirming. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's no absolutely zero need to heal negative emotion. It's complete nonsense, all of that. We need spaces where we can be the feeling people that we are. And that, you know, that's a challenging work in itself, but uh, it's also very transformative. You make mention... Um you know, uh, I know. I know you came actually uh, from a theater background. If I, Correct. Yes, and you make mention <laughs> of uh, of this of you having a revelation though even earlier than that in your teens yes. around what how, how you even became um, involved and interested. In this. So, so t- tell me a little bit about that. I was curious. I know yeah, I didn't get the details. I mean, like the one thing I listened to, you're like, I'm not going to go into any details. And I'm like, oh no, I want the story. So I'm going right. <laughs> to ask about it here. Yeah, I mean, it is, it is, it's unusual. Basically, look, I'll be, make it very quick. When I was 16 and a normal teenager in London, sex, drugs, and rock and roll, the whole thing, <laughs> and, uh, <clears throat> you know, highly committed. <laughs> and, uh, you know, a good friend of mine said, listen, my, my grandmother is a Tibetan Buddhist nun, and she lives in a Tibetan Buddhist monastery in Scotland. And I'm going to visit her in the school holiday. Do you want to come? And I thought, why not? It sounded, you know, different. Anyway, up we went. Um, Then it was a very small place. I think it's now one of the biggest in Europe. It was started by uh, Chogyam Chungpa, who's very famous in that lineage. And so there we were in this kind of strange, exotic, chanting, monks in robes and so on. And one day I was sitting in in my room and I was reading, quite uh, idly, reading a very classical Buddhist text. And I had a moment of, I guess you'd call it epiphany, awakening, because in an instant, and I can still remember it, I was looking at this text and I suddenly totally knew what they were talking about. Hmm. Without a shadow of a doubt, it was like a curtain opened. And basically, in that moment, I think my life changed, and I, there was no going back from that. So it was some kind of spontaneous remembering, awakening, wow. whatever you would choose to call it. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, that's, that's how it, that's how it, how it started. all began for me. <laughs> so what do, you see, um, what do you see as possible if people actually start getting more connected to themselves and people again? Like, why is that important? And what would motivate someone to actually want to take this on? I think it's important in every possible way. First of all, it's important for the richness and quality of our life, Mm -hmm. both personally and professionally. I mean, our organizations are full of people uh, leading 
with non-connection, with absence and creating very unhappy workplaces, but also deeper than that, creating workplaces that are not high-performing because the more connected we are, the more we also open to higher levels of insight and innovation mm. and, and intelligence. So um, that's one very good reason, but also on a deeper level, Having a culture of disconnection is is absolutely central to why we're in such crisis at the moment. Mm-hmm. You know, we could not be we could not be messing up the planet the way we are now if we felt more. It would not be possible. Mm-hmm. We could not stand by while a million species become extinct, which was the headline news yesterday. If we felt nature, we could not do that. So, you know, this has multiple levels of, of importance. Yeah. <laughs> that is always, I'm like, I have 60 million questions, but I know we have a kind of a, be mindful of time. Um, so the workshop that you're doing this weekend, so you'll be in town right. with, uh, at Wellspring from, on Friday yeah. from 5 to 9, and then, yeah. and then you resume the workshop on Saturday from 10 to 5. Um, will it be similar? I mean, is it similar to what you do on an individual basis or, you know, within a corporate environment or is it geared more toward personal? Although I imagine your work probably bridges both things pretty naturally. Yeah, it very much bridges both. And actually, I'm, you know, I'm waiting to hear from Pagona about the composition of the audience. And so I will very much, but I mean, I can easily bridge both worlds, uh, mm. You know, whether, whether if the audience has some... Actually, I know one of my most senior clients is flying in from D.C., but she's also... You know, when I, the thing is, when I work with senior leaders, it's totally personal work. Mm-hmm. It, the the mm-hmm. two are not separate. Not exclusive, right? They're not... No, far from it, because right. the quality of who you are as a human being is the quality of who you are as a leader. Mm-hmm. And um, so the presence you know, easily encompasses all areas of life. But I will, you know, if let's say the group is more full of people who are in leadership, I will refer more to leadership. Mm -hmm. But the essential work is very similar. And, um, you know, we will work with all parts of ourselves. We will do beautiful, gentle, reconnecting to the body work. Um, we'll take a look at the emotional work. You know, that's we can dip our foot in that in in a way that already can be very powerful. We'll look at this notion of the essence of myself, the, the purposeful part of me. What am I really here to contribute? What what really inspires me? Mm-hmm. We'll do a lot of meditative practice. We're going to cover all the bases because, um, you know, the bottom line presence means that as much as possible of me comes online. Mm-hmm. So we have to work with all the dimensions. But the beautiful thing about doing it in a group is that it's like the group field grows and supports. And, um, you know, in that time that we have, we can reach a very inspiring place together. I'm sure of that. Mm-hmm. And take and walk away with practices. So right. transformational experience during the workshop. And very importantly, how do I really embed this now? In, in, in my day-to-day life and my day-to-day work. Yeah, one of the things you said that um, resonated with me was the, the idea of, um, you know, the bandwidth. And you, you mentioned something mm. about um, really good um, 
uh, and I don't think leaders is the word you use, but that idea that people who are in their high-performing individuals, that sense of not rushing, like when they're right. with you for even exactly. if it's two minutes, that's that they give you two minutes of good time. And, and that really exactly. resonated with me because I do think we think, uh, as, you know, as a society, you know, you're rushing around. The more you're doing, the, the more powerful you are. And I've, you know, I've sat with people who think who are who who you would think were really great leaders, but you do. You always have that sense that they're thinking about four things at one time, and that's it's Which hard. Is, yeah, Which and that, is and that you're, yeah, yeah, you're so right. Yeah. yeah, so that really resonated in yeah. that and that idea of um, being able. I'm guessing that's a lot of what what the work you do allows too is really creating that. In both your personal exactly. and your professional, which I thought too, like even with my daughter, I was thinking, yeah, that man, if I could just give her five undivided minutes, that's probably better than thirty distracted. You know, <laughs> I, it's so right. It's so and so important what you're saying. And actually, recently in a corporate training on the second day, a woman at the beginning said, "Listen, I picked my daughter up from school yesterday evening, and normally it's this kind of routine." slightly boring, bored with each other conversation. And she said, we had the most amazing conversation mm -hmm. we've ever had. Because, you know, the basis of presence, so it's great what you said, is I'm here and I'm available. I'm here to be with you. I'm here to listen to you. I'm here to feel you. And when we give that to each other, we're in a different world mm. and a much, much, much better world. Yeah, I can imagine that. Well, I want to thank you so much for your time. I don't know, Christina, do you any comments? I just want to ask you one oh, more yeah. thing. Go ahead. Great. Are you, do you teach any of these practices or anything, like on YouTube? Do you have a YouTube channel? I haven't yet. No, it's interesting. I'm running an online course at the moment uh -huh. um, on transformational coaching, and we're, we're going very deep into the practices. But you know, you gave me an idea. Maybe it's time to do that. <laughs> yeah, I mean... You know, seriously, actually... Yeah. I mean, I have I have uh, two meditations, audio meditations on my website, but there's a lot more I could do. Let me think about that. Thank you. That's a really interesting <laughs> Absolutely. idea. Absolutely. So if anyone's yeah, interested in any good, of your yeah. programs or getting in contact with you, how do they go about doing that? Yeah. My website is um, com, and it has a lot <laughs> of information and about my background, and, and it's a great, I'm very happy with the website, yep. Great. Well, we'll put that on our description and the spelling of it and everything so people can reach out to thank you. Thank you. And thank you so thank much you. for sharing yourself today and calling in from London. Well, thank you. So, so thank nice. Thank you. Much yeah. appreciated. Thank yeah. you. Loved Great having you. Talk. Wonderful. Thanks. Well, safe travels, and uh, we'll look thank forward to you. seeing you in the Valley of the Sun in the next couple of days. Very good. <laughs> Very good. Thanks so much. Thanks, right. Nicholas. Have a wonderful Bye. day. That was awesome. That was yeah, he's a neat What dude. a great guest. Yes. I know we had one cancel yesterday and then Jennifer just like roped him in and what a what a pleasure that was to have yeah. him here. Yeah, Pagona. I, I tapped Pagona. I was like, what what do we got? Because I knew she was doing this workshop because again, she, so she went through his, his um, another workshop of his. So Yeah, awesome. Yeah. yeah well, so let's take, take a, a short break. Yeah, let's take a short break and we'll come back and have our next call, caller call in. <laughs> Hello, thanks for calling Next Level, where we invest in people and fund their dreams. We help you with personal and business loans, credit enhancement, investments, insurance, and so much more, so you don't have to keep chasing your financial tail all the time. Uh, hey, Susan, your number came up, and I think it's your cat and dog again. 
Tell them to stop calling and go online to nlbcgroup.com. That's nlbcgroup.com. And why is it so warm in here? That's Next Level Business Concepts Group, Susanna, where we invest in people and fund their dreams. Oh, my. Are you selling or buying a home that needs upgrading or repairs? Get free contracting services when you buy or sell a home with Matthew Makovic Real Estate Solutions. Put expertise to work for you. Matthew is a licensed general contractor and a licensed real estate agent with Lux Real Estate Group. Drop the hassles and maximize your value with this unique two-for-one service. Call 520-465-4640 today or check out fixitlistedsold.com. That's fixitlistedsold.com. And we're back. And we're back. So I'm excited because we actually have a guest next week flying in from Baltimore, Maryland. And we mentioned him on previous shows, Rob Kowalski. He's the author of Why Waiting Works. And our client Lisa is actually launching a City Fam chapter here, which is like-minded people who are doing some community outreach stuff. So we're excited to have him on. I think he actually flies into Phoenix tonight at like 11 o'clock and he's going to spend some time with the chapter and then he'll be on next week. Very nice. Yeah. That'll be great to have yeah. him here. Um, yeah, and I wanted to mention really quick, if you're interested in participating in the workshop that um, Nicholas Yannis will be here for, uh, you can go to Wellspring, uh, Wellspring Center for Health and Healing, um, and, they, and you're able to register there and get some additional information. And we'll also have all that on our, on our site as well. So. Fabulous. Yeah, we've got some good shows coming up, good people. I know. We're booked all the way through, I think, till July with guests. Awesome. Powerhouse guests. I love that you're bringing, we're bringing someone in. Although May's still pretty nice. If you're coming in from Maryland, it's not bad to be here in May. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's good. He's going to love it. Yeah, July is going to be, <laughs> July will be tougher. Sitting poolside. <laughs> <laughs> the sun. I know that we got rain this morning. I know, that was wild. I looked at it, it was like 63 degrees, raining. I'm like, and today is the first day I scheduled me time on my calendar from 12 to 4 because I realized for the next two weeks straight I'm working every single day um, and I was like maybe I should schedule me time I heard that people do that yeah <laughs> You're like I, I'll check out what is this newfangled thing called time for myself what are you gonna do I'm just, I don't know I'm resisting the urge to work and do things that I would normally do in every hour of my day I think you should just go like hike I think that is actually what I'm like, gonna just go hit do. whatever trail you can get to first yes yeah I'm gonna hike and then we have our um, sipping cocktails, happy hour tonight. Are you going to make it tonight? I don't think so. I yeah. have, um, Mara is in a play and so she has rehearsal. So I have to go get her and then get to the yoga studio by five. So I think I would just be asking, I would just be creating <laughs> too much, I, but I will one of these Tuesdays for sure <laughs> come by and have a, I'll have a, uh, non-alcoholic <laughs> beverage to sip. I'll sip a non-alcoholic beverage before my yoga class. Yeah. Yeah, that'll be good. Yeah. <laughs> Toxify your body before you t- no, detox No, I it. can't. It's funny to me that this is the trend in yoga where, and, and, well, like, you know, yoga and beer, yoga and wine. I'm like, what? oh, that makes me feel so, I mean, more power to anyone who digs it. But I just am like, that would make me feel gross. It was funny. We, in Rocky Point this weekend, um, they were having, they do a triathlon in May right over Cinco de Mayo every year. And so uh, we didn't know that when we made our reservations. But so we had like frontline where we sit was like where the finish line was. So it was great. We felt, we felt so lame because all these people are coming in, you know, after having done a triathlon and we're sitting there with 
margaritas and <laughs> and suntan lotion. But um, they were handing them beers at the end of the of the triathlon. And I was like, I think I might actually like that would not sell well. But it was amazing. Everybody was sucking them down and yeah, sit they sit on the sand and wait for everybody else to cross the line. It was great. Yeah, I've done a couple Spartan races in my day, and the same thing. They give you uh, a little voucher for a free beer, and I'm like. At the end of my race, I'm exhausted, and the last thing I want is beer. Right. It's really weird. Like, I, I tried to get a beer and, like, drink it. I'm like, this is not what I need right now. Yeah. I need something that's going to fuel me and, <laughs> yeah. like, replace everything I just <laughs> lost this <laughs> past five hours running and jumping over mud and up ropes and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I'll look at it. Probably the easiest time to get a buzz ever is after a race like that. I guess so, because you're completely depleted. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just like, whatever. It's worn into my body. So um, I think our next guest will be calling in shortly. Who is it? We have Amy Bankoff joining us. And she um, is a yoga instructor and healer, um, just another great energy person. Um, so I'm going to, yeah, we have to just see if I can get her on the, if we can get her on the line in a little bit. And then how do you know her? I knew Amy from... Um, <laughs> Kind of just from a women's group, and then she lived in Scottsdale for a while, but now she lives in California, and or she lived in Phoenix. But yeah, just through friends, mm -hmm. um, we met. And you know, sometimes it's funny. She and I just met in person maybe three weeks ago, but we've really? known each other and like talked and stuff for I don't know two or three years. And so it was <laughs> we were trying. I'm like, have we ever met in person? Because it feels like we know each other. <laughs> it's one of those kind of things. So um, yeah, it's very cool. Um, but she does, I don't know, she does like oils and stuff like that. Do you do, do you do yoga or any of that type of? Heck no. No? <laughs> I want to be one of those yoga people. Do you? I really do. I wish I could. And I've tried it multiple times. So this is the problem. And I feel like anything that's difficult in life is probably like where you need to go. You know what I mean? Like something that's difficult uh, is like you need yeah, to have a breakthrough in that, that area. Mm -hmm. So that's why I keep on trying to do yoga because I'm like, you know, the whole mindfulness and and just being present and holding a pose for so freaking long is tough. Mm -hmm. So then I just resist it. It's not like the physicality that's tough because I'm pretty flexible. It's the mental aspect of yoga that's hard for me. And I've tried the... Oh, the, the mental aspect? Yeah. So that... not Shutting your brain off a little bit. Yes. Okay. You've and tried like, the Bikram. Yeah. And I've tried Bikram. And the one that I went to was back home in Pennsylvania. And they recommended you don't drink water. And I'm like, I might die if I don't drink water. And it was just really hot. Mm -hmm. I could barely handle it. Mm -hmm. And I thought I was going to die. So I was like, I don't think I'm going to do this ever again. Mm -hmm. How do yeah. you deal with it? <laughs> so it's interesting because I think there's been a shift. I mean, they're probably still very hardcore, right? Um, you know, because that was, the, the, I think, part of the philosophy behind a Bikram type of yoga um, was you know, being able to, uh, being able to perform in highly uncomfortable situations, oh. right? So the heat is really high. The rooms, you know, although again, a lot of studios now don't do this, but it used to be like the rooms were carpeted and they didn't smell great. And it was like, that was your practice was not worry about it. And, <laughs> um, you know, don't take water in between if you, so, but that's most studios, even the even that still practice a pretty, uh, a pretty, uh, you know, uh, traditional Bikram practice aren't like that. They want to, it's not. So you'll still find it. The interesting thing is you'll find as you, as you, you know, 
go through your practice and you, you do it more. There are times when I practice and I don't need water. Yeah. Like I've hydrated well enough beforehand and I'm enough in my practice and I'm, I'm doing it that I don't need to take those sips of water. Interesting. Um, yeah. And or or whatnot. So I think we have Amy. Yay. I can stop blathering Hello. out about Bikram. <laughs> Hello, Amy. Good morning. Good Hi. morning, Sunshine. How are you? I'm great. Thanks. How are you? Oh, lovely. So nice to have you join us. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So we were just discussing how, uh, how you and Jennifer met and kind of a little bit about what you do. So why don't you tell us what you do straight from the source? Oh, goodness. <laughs> what do I do? That's a great question. <laughs> uh, so I recently realized that, that uh, a good short title to introduce myself is as a health and lifestyle coach. Mm. Uh, because telling people that I'm a yoga teacher and an essential oil educator and wellness advocate starts to get a little complicated. Mm. Um, and really what my foundation has been uh, for more than 20 years is yoga. Um, but for 15 of those years, I have been with my teacher, Mark Whitwell, who was a student of Desika Char and Krishnamacharya. And that has been the most transformative aspect of my own personal life mm -hmm. and still the foundation of what I teach. Um, and so that is really about creating personal uh, daily practice in our own home. And allowing the principles of yoga, which I'm happy to talk about more if, if that's of interest to you, um, but really allowing our yoga practice to be a natural part of our everyday life and then using essential oils as a tool to really support our physical, mental, emotional, spiritual well-being uh, on, a, on a deeper level um, and throughout our days, wherever we go. So, so what does that look like when you talk about bringing yoga and the oils into your daily, you know, your daily lives? What, what, what does that look like? What types of things are you doing? Well, so when I, I first meet with someone, I usually spend close to two hours with them just getting to know who they are as an individual. Um, you know, what does their daily life look like right now? Do they have a family? What do they do for work? What? Uh, their physical um, conditions right now and their mental, emotional conditions right now. And then designing a yoga practice that is appropriate for them, considering their age and health, body type, desires and needs, and their cultural beliefs. Mm. And a big piece of that as well is looking at the time in their day that they actually can commit to practicing because many people will have this grand idea of doing an hour of practice of every day, but the reality of their daily life doesn't allow for that. So then it never happens. So if someone actually only has 10 minutes at the end of the day, then okay, we design a little yoga practice to fit into that time. And, um, and then choosing oils that are appropriate as well and keeping things simple, but using the oils as well on a daily basis and, and even five or six times throughout the day mm -hmm. uh, because that's where they're most helpful. So I'm curious because 
I feel like the way that you're using the word yoga, it almost seems more broad than my view of what yoga is. And it kind of speaks to like, I know there's yoga classes, but then I've also done yoga nidra, which looks nothing like a yoga class. So you mentioned something about the principles of yoga. So would you mind sharing about that? Sure. So my teacher, Mark, will say that the very first thing is to understand that everything is as it should be. And I just came from, I volunteer at the Mental Wellness Center, and I love teaching there because um, it's a really powerful place to bring these tools. Uh, And we can never hear what I'm about to tell you too many times, I have found. And that is simply that you are a complete miracle in absolute harmony with everything, utterly beautiful and completely unique. And to realize that there is an unseen source beating our hearts, breathing our lungs, moving our sex, dividing ourselves, and that we're not doing anything consciously to make those things happen. That's a huge concept that for the most part in our culture, we ignore Mm -hmm. or forget. And just to remember that we are a complete miracle. Everything is exactly as it should be. Number one, that's the, that's just your starting point, right? Mm -hmm. So from there, um, I teach people how to breathe using the Ujjayi breath. And if you don't know what that is or the listeners out there, that's when we make this soft sound at the base of the throat. And that is the sound that our breath naturally falls into as we're drifting off to sleep. And it's deeply relaxing for the body to fall into the ujjayi breath. And when we're making that soft sound, that sound actually is our teacher or our guru. And as long as we keep our focus on that sound of the ujjayi breath, staying smooth and steady throughout our whole practice, then we know that we're staying within our body's capabilities because our breath cannot lie to us. Hmm. So if you ever noticed, right, like if you get a fright, the first thing you do is Mm -hmm. your breath, right? Or if you're angry, you're... <laughs> True. Right? Like, and if you have sorrow and grief, you you hold the breath out. It's like you can't take a breath in, right? Mm. So so obeying your breath and specifically the sound of the ujjayi breath is number one. Uh, the second one is allowing the inhale to come from above as receptivity and the exhale to come from below as strength. Now, this is, this is the natural breath. Again, without us even being conscious of this, every time we inhale through the mouth or the nose, the air is moving down into the lung cavity as the diaphragm drops. And it's actually the pressure of the air from outside. It's actually being pushed in. And as we exhale, the diaphragm contracts and it lifts up and in as it pushes the air up and out. 
So we have these opposing forces here. The inhale from above is receptivity and the exhale from below as strength. So I get people to feel that and have them just place one hand on their upper chest and on their lower belly and really feel that rise of the upper chest and then that contraction at the base of the body. Mm. And then the third thing is that the breath begins and ends the movement. So if you apply those principles that we just mentioned and have your arms just down by your side, you can begin the inhale and then let the arms lift up over your head and look at the hands above and arch your back and pause. And then exhale and let the hands float down. And you're still exhaling at the bottom. So when you're breathing in this way, when you inhale, hands come together, you're still inhaling when the hands come together and they pause and then exhale, hands float down, still exhaling when the hands come all the way down so that the breath is longer than the body movement. And what we'll find with this is that this allows people to move at the pace that is comfortable and appropriate for them. So again, they're able to obey that sound of the ujjayi breath, staying smooth and comfortable, and their body movement is staying within that capacity. Hmm. So that's just keeping us safe, right? Hmm. And really obeying our own body's needs. So that's three. There's only two more. Uh, the fourth one is that asana, which are the physical body postures, mm-hmm. create bandha, and that bandha serves the breath. So bandha is the uh, it's the cooperation, the intelligent cooperation of muscle groups. And we're most familiar with the mula bandha at the base of the body, uddiyana bandha in the the central solar plexus area, and then Jalandhara Bandha at the base of the throat. And when we engage those, and specifically Bandha, especially Mula Bandha and Uddiyana Bandha, are formally placed in the pause after exhale. And when we, and and this comes also uh, through developing our practice over time. This isn't something that when someone's just beginning, um, they might feel very strongly. However, it, it will still be there just mm. through that natural action of inhale from above and exhale from below. But the formal placement of bandha and residing for longer periods of time in the pauses after the inhale and exhale, these serve the breath. And again, that's a bigger conversation so, I can get into too. So really, but then the last... Wait, can yeah, I ask you a quick question? No, no, just a quick yeah, question. Yeah, when you sure. say the pauses... So are you holding at the top of the breath and holding at the bottom, like you're kind of actually um, mindfully like holding the breath at the top and then exhaling all the way out and holding at the bottom as a pause? Yes. Okay. Yes. And doing that so long as the pause does not create the, like you have to like, like suck in air at the next point like you've exactly yeah right right so you're yeah. still allowing a smooth transition but yeah. that idea that you know, at some point you can start to hold a little bit longer just to stay in that upward or downward okay interesting yeah. all yeah. right number five you yeah. can go sorry 
No, these are, that's a great question. <laughs> uh, so just the, the last one is simply that asana allows for pranayama and pranayama allows for meditation and that this is a seamless process and that meditation arises as a siddhi or a gift. Mm. It's not something that can be willfully or forcefully practiced. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Because there is so much talk about, you know, meditation being such a, something that we should all be focused on. Mm-hmm. And so from, but kind of the, from what you're saying that it's more of a, we have to accept it as a gift, not something we can, okay, I'm going to go sit in my car for five minutes and make myself meditate. It's more of that opening to the, to our ability to do that or. Well, yes. What happens is when we do an actual yoga practice of this inhale from above, exhale from below, and we're obeying our breath and our body in this way, our our asana practice is a moving meditation. Mm -hmm. And as we continue, even if it's just a a five-minute asana practice, we find that the mind literally becomes more deeply connected to the heart. And the definition of yoga is to move with continuity in your chosen direction. So whatever you choose, this is what your mind can stay focused on in this practice and become more completely absorbed in. And that is the true understanding of meditation or samadhi or enlightenment where you and your object of desire literally merge and there is no separation between you two. Mm. No, no duality. So, so when, yeah. No, <clears throat> um, <clears throat> excuse me. When you like, so if you, if I have five minutes in the morning or five minutes in the evening and, not necessarily, you know, a space to, let's say, actually go through a, a posture or something. Although I guess you could. So what you're saying is like doing just an, just taking the hands above the head and taking them down to the feet. If I could do that a few times, that would be a yoga practice. Yeah, absolutely. And that would the then also... Simple could, version. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and and... I think giving people yeah, ways to... No, that's okay. Just giving people ways to practice. Like even in the middle of the day, I mean, that's... And, you know, I, I always say that in class too, just like, even if you can take a few breaths, you know, when you realize that you're just, you're just rattling through and you can feel yourself getting that place, even if you can just sit and take a couple breaths. Mm-hmm. So I think giving people yeah. that idea that it, to your point, it's not that you have to go to a studio and, you know, go through an hour. It really can just be as simple as standing up in your office and stretching. Absolutely. And this is where, I mean, I, I think studios are great for creating community Mm. and connection, but there is absolutely no substitute for your own personal practice Mm. in the privacy of your bedroom where you are allowing your own teacher, your inner teacher to be your guide because only you know what's really going on inside of yourself from microsecond to microsecond, you know? And that's how quickly we need to be able 
to respond, to be able to serve ourselves in the most appropriate way and to be gentle with ourselves in that way as well. You know, this whole idea of pushing ourselves to be better, to be more flexible, to get into those (laughs) wild asanas that we see on the cover of yoga journal, right? Like there's all sorts of expectations and just to drop all that and to know that your yoga is your mere participation in the given reality Mm -hmm. exactly as you are without any attempt to get somewhere else as if you aren't already the miracle of life in this exact moment. Mm-hmm. It's right. funny. I was headed to practice the other day. Well, I wasn't going to go to practice, but because in my head I was like, oh, it's, you know, it's hard and I'm really, you know, I'm not flexible. I haven't practiced and, you know, it, and I'm going through all these things. And I teach, right? So I tell people all the opposite stuff. And it was so funny in my head how I was going through, like, but that's totally it getting into the posture is not the practice, right? Like, Jen, what, what mm-hmm. do you do? No, it's getting in the room. It's taking the time to breathe. It's giving, you know, it's, it's moving your body in connection with that breath. You know, it was so funny how, <laughs> how, how our minds, you know, can just go right to like excuses as to why we don't want to move that way when in fact, and moving that way, meaning moving toward my practice versus. Mm-hmm. So then I was like, mm-hmm. then I was like, get your butt over there. Go sweat it out. <laughs> so, but it is, it's like, it's interesting how we can, um, we give ourselves those, we, we put those boundaries on what we believe a practice should be yeah. rather than accepting yeah. where we are and the fact that, hey, if, if you can get in the room and lie there for 90 minutes in heat or 60 minutes or whatever, share your energy, lie there and share your energy with other people like that might just be what it is for that day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or to your well, point, um, or to your point, 10 minutes in my, at night, you know, just stretching the body. Yeah. yeah and, and I also think, I also think that one of the things that I see so often and in my own life as well uh, is that we are a society of doers and we're constantly Mm. on the go and we're always thinking about our to-do list and all the things that we should be doing and it's never ending and it's very hard for I would say most people to just rest and to really give themselves true freedom and let their body just have the time to do nothing. And sometimes that is just as important. (laughs) And um, my teacher actually taught me a long time ago, he said the word depressed, it just means deep rest. Mm. And if you're ever feeling depressed, if you let go of the pressure that we put on ourselves to keep going and to probably be telling ourselves, oh, we shouldn't feel this way. Mm. You know, we should get up and get on with things, right? Mm-hmm. If, we, if we, in those times, allow ourselves to truly relax and to rest for as long as we actually need, our body will come to a point then when it's ready to go. Mm. And this is a huge, huge shift from our modern cultures. Oh, so. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. The go, go, go. Yeah, we're, uh, we're smiling over here because Christina's actually scheduled. <laughs> she's pointing at me. I know. <laughs> she's actually scheduled <laughs> in time today because she's, she's working so much the next couple of weeks that she has a block of time scheduled for her. 
<laughs> it's me time, Dang. and it's, it's four hours, and it's now dwindled down to three, and I'm wondering how much more it'll dwindle. Dwindle, but I'm reserve. <laughs> I'm like resisting um, the desire to work on projects and do all the other stuff. But it just reminds me of something I heard: we're not human do- doings, we're human beings. <laughs> <laughs> like we're not human doings. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I'm gonna figure out what the heck to do with my me time today after no, this. Maybe nothing. <laughs> Yeah. Maybe go sit and do just, just go be. Just, just go, go be. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's this beautiful understanding of of really what I'm trying to say is that your yoga is that being with your breath mm-hmm. as it naturally is and moving your body in ways that only feel good. Mm-hmm. You know? If yoga ever feels bad, it's not yoga. Mm-hmm. That was a quote from Krishnamacharya. Mm-hmm. You know? If it's bad, it's not, or if it hurts, it's not yoga. Right. You know? So, and I wanted to also go back to that point around meditation because this is a, such a huge thing in our, our society. And I think it's wonderful, just like yoga, you know, started to become more popular 50 or 60 years ago. And now meditation's been more popular the last 20, some 30 years. Um, I think it's great that, as these uh, awarenesses gain popularity, uh, we get to have more conversations and deeper understandings about them. But I do believe that it is deeply important to understand that meditation was never meant to be uh, taken away from its yogic roots. Mm-hmm. And, and that yoga being the mere participation in these opposites mm-hmm. that create your life. Um, as as no struggle, and that this understanding that your physical asana practice, breathing and, and moving your body in these ways that feel good and are appropriate to you, set the foundation then for meditation to arise spontaneously. And mm. that when we try to force ourselves to sit, and I can speak to this, firsthand, I did the Pashana meditation in my early 20s. I did two week-long courses. And I remember the process. If you've ever been through that, it's brutal. Mm. The first, like, half of that week um, while your monkey mind is just fighting with your monkey mind. And then you get over kind of this hump. Mm-hmm. And you, you, you leave the week feeling absolutely blissful, like you probably never have before. Um, but in order to maintain that state, they want you to stay away from all stimulants. They want you to be meditating for an hour every morning and an hour every evening. And quite frankly, it, it was not, and I don't think it really is sustainable. Yeah, I know. That makes me anxious just life. thinking about, like, just the thought of, like, right? an hour. I, yeah. I mean, which I know yeah. means I probably, as, as Chrissy and I were talking, that's probably why you need to do the practice. But, <laughs> but. Well... But what I think is important is that if you do an actual asana practice, meditation, it may come spontaneously and it may not come. And if it doesn't come, that's totally okay too. And you get up and you carry on with your day. And <laughs> there's no shaming. There's yeah. no shaming around like, oh, that was a bad practice because mm. I didn't fall into some deeply blissful state. No, no, no. Like, let it go. If it arises, cool. If it doesn't, cool. You know? Yeah. But 
but just understanding that your asana practice is your primary spiritual practice. Mm-hmm. And to not have your monkey mind beat up your monkey mind trying to sit there and get to some blissful space on, on its own because mm-hmm. it's just, I think it's, it's creating the, I think it's creating a, a cycle that makes things even worse. Right. Well, Amy, yeah. well, thank you so much for taking time with us today. If somebody wants to find out more information about you and your offerings and where can they, where should they look? Uh, my website is love the number two, the letter B, and then here, H-E-R-E, love to be here, mm. dot com. Perfect. And we'll put yeah. that up on our site as well. But thanks for spending some time with us today. That was really informative. Yeah, that was wonderful. Yeah. Oh, I actually thanks feel a little so bit more zenned me. out just by having listened to the different things. I know, I, I watched picked, you. I know. <laughs> I watched I was, you looking out the window. I was you were breathing totally out. and I was, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, but, right. so, well, it was lovely to have you. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, ladies. Have a wonderful day. I'll talk to you soon. Have a great day. Bye. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. See you next week.